Well, Jasmine, would you mind starting by reading our first verse? Jonah? Wait, could I do it? Because oh. I really like this translation. Of verse one? Oh, verse interesting. One. Are okay. you in CSB? I'm in CSB. Okay. But I Hit just it. really like this translation. <laughs> Go ahead. I knew you were going to give it to Jasmine. I was like, I got to get in there quick. <laughs> <laughs> Intervene. Yeah. Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from the belly of the fish. Mm. Great. All right. See? Yeah, there's a zinger there. Yeah, so good. Okay, so what do you find most extraordinary about where Jonah is? Well, in the belly of the fish. You just all that. What? I know, I did all my research on the, on the fit. I mean, and I'm sure a lot of people have thought about this. I think probably, we obviously don't know what kind of fish it was. Most people would think it was something like a whale. So again, we don't know what kind of fish, but I went ahead and looked up um, how long a sperm whale is and I measured it all out. I actually did it at home and then I did it when I got here because I just wanted a visual of how big that is. And a sperm whale is about 62 feet. So, I mean, that's an average. It can be a little bigger or a little smaller if it's male or female. Fun fact. But okay. um, it's actually from the foot of the stage all the way to the door, actually a little past that. So if you want a visual for how big that is, those of you watching from home, just try to envision the sanctuary here at the church and uh-huh. kind of give you an idea. So at least that big, I don't know how tall. I mean, so plenty of space for a guy to be in, but if I, that was but the I case. Think too, he's not walking around. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think when you see those pictures, he's always standing. Or like and you watch Pinocchio. Probably, and right. You know, they're in the raft hanging out inside. But he was yeah. probably like cramped up, unable yeah. to move, and just think it's it's pitch black. That's mm-hmm. the thing that really got me. It's was how pitch black. Right. There's no light, no window and coming in. And no, weeds. And his eyes are not adjusting, and he doesn't know what's coming at him. Mm-hmm. So he yeah. can't even know when the water's going to come over him. Or other fish. There's I no mean. way to prepare for anything. Oh, there's probably little fish nibbling on him. Yeah. Have you ever, uh, where is it? That's it's, the worst. There's a place in Israel called Oh yeah, I know where they do the little baby fish on your toes yeah. to take the dead skin. But there's yeah. a place called Sakmi that you actually go swimming in. Sorry. And, and the, the fish are nibbling on you the entire mm-hmm. time. Mm-hmm. So you come out, you know, your skin's all young looking, but it's, it's really like, whoa. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's weird to feel these little thing. bites on you, but he can't prepare for anything. Exactly. Yeah, he can't, which is interesting because God prepared this fish for him. Mm. But Jonah can't be prepared or prepare anything because mm-hmm. it's all dark mm-hmm. and he's in, and I was just thinking of how cramped those conditions yes, were. Yes, and, and so disorienting, mm-hmm. like you're saying, like everything, like for, you know, three days, and he doesn't know how long he's going to be in there. I think exactly. we were talking about that before, like, yeah. well, I should be here three days because I'm representing, you know, I'm a picture of Jesus, so uh, you know, he doesn't know. The same kind of thing, too, with the darkness, where you lose track of day versus night, like where he doesn't even know how many days it is. He can't track right. the light to see if it's day or night, and then every time the fish opens its mouth, maybe, we don't know if it was like a fish that ate fish or plankton or whatever, mm-hmm. so every time it opens its mouth, like waves of water are coming in and splashing flashing over him. And have you ever had that when like going to a water amusement park where you're going down those slides? Have you ever been in one where it's like the dark tunnel? That scares me to death because I don't know when I'm supposed to hold my breath or take oh, a breath. Oh yeah, yeah. Are so you like choke? I start yeah. out at the top of the slide holding my breath, but then I need to take a breath, but I'm afraid <laughs> that water's going to splash. So it's like a panic thing of like, can I breathe or can I not breathe? I don't think they allow people over 60 to go on those anymore. <laughs> Oh, well. Not my favorite thing, but oh, well. I don't think I anyone can go on those anymore. Yeah. Not right now. Yeah. Because <laughs> it's special. Yeah. Yeah. You just kind of picture what that's like. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I was thinking too, I mean, it's big enough that you know, we're going to talk about this a little bit, but there's seaweed. Mm-hmm. So there's also seaweed in here, and he's feeling these things wrapping around him, and mm-hmm. it's just, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. Yeah. I'll okay. talk about the weeds later. I have yes. thought. Anyway, go ahead. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So what did Jonah do now in his. Extraordinary moment. So he prays, but this is the first time in this whole book Mm -hmm. that he prays. Mm -hmm. First time. Now, when all those other people, the sailors, are calling on their gods, Jonah doesn't pray. Yeah. Mm -hmm. He he keeps it all very horizontal, Mm -hmm. but he does not pray. So this is the first Mm -hmm. mention of Jonah praying in this book. We've got the sailors praying, but not Jonah. (laughs) I have New King James translation, and my first word, I can't remember if this was yours, the first word of that verse is then. Yes. And so it's like, finally, Mm -hmm. Jonah prays. Mm -hmm. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I found that encouraging in a way because um, 
I was thinking just of the fact that God will go to any lengths that he needs to, you know what I mean? To get somebody to that point, like, Mm -hmm. you know what I mean? To get his kids to click, you know, Mm -hmm. here, here's what's going. I mean, that was to me encouraging. I just think of people that I'm praying for, like, when are they going to, you know, God can do it. He'll get people there. He knows the pressure points and that it took this long to get Jonah to pray, but. Or or this hard hearted. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I was wondering, actually, I was like, would God have kept him in longer? You know what I mean? <laughs> if he needed to, like, okay, okay. when, you know. Time rehabilitation yeah. fish. <laughs> Rehab it, fish. You know, whatever it's going to take to get mm-hmm. him there, so. Time out fish. Yeah, yeah. time out mm-hmm. fish. Well, I was, <laughs> you know, again, um, I read in this commentary that Jonah actually thought he was in hell. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking oh, yeah. about how God is light. So hell is everything um, that is not God, or everything that's separated from God. It's, you, you could, it's the counter to God. So if right. God is light, this is all darkness. Yeah. If, if God is joy and that freedom, then this is misery mm-hmm. and, and, and cramped Bondage. and tight. If, if God is a revealer, he's revelational, this is all unknowing and all mm-hmm. ignorance. Obscured. So mm-hmm. you've got these, these, these things, just like you measure... You measure... Uh, cold by um, the presence of heat by the presence of heat so there's no heat so it's like hmm. you know all of this because and he thinks he's in because he calls it Sheol mm-hmm. we'll get to that later yeah. he thinks he's in hell which is really great because he's willing to let other people go yeah. and have this experience yeah no I, I, I've, I've, yeah, I have something on that too I'm like ooh that's good but I'm, I'll wait Okay, now some of this stuff is going to carry over into yeah, the next totally, days. totally. So, do you guys have a takeaway for today? I have one. Do you have one? I think I got kind of already said it. Just the hopefulness that like God can do what is necessary to get through to people, and I can rest in that. So, mm-hmm. well, good. I was thinking too. No matter where you are or what you've done, you can call on the name of Jesus. Mm-hmm. You know, no matter where you are no matter what you've done, because there's mm-hmm. always yeah. this thing like, well, I've got to do penitence, mm, or I've got right. to get to this place, then I'll call on the name of the Lord. I was, I was actually one time sharing Jesus with this woman. She's like, yes, yes, I want that. That's exactly what I want. I'm so, I said, do you want to pray? And she's like, no, I have this place I need to go to pray. And I'm like, well, whatever. <laughs> but huh, she went to pray in this special place when she accepted the Lord. But I was thinking, isn't it great that no matter what we've done, yeah. as the the adage is, God is only a prayer away. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That was my takeaway too. And that prayer changes things. God changes things through prayer. Mm-hmm. He wants us to come to that place of being ready to surrender our will to his and to pray specifically. And I love the thought that Jonah probably wrote this book mm. and thinking that he wants us to see he prayed specifically and God answered very specifically. And he wants us to pray specifically and God is gonna answer very specifically. Amen. Yeah. Ready to move on? Okay, day two, verse two. So I'll go ahead just so we stay in order and I don't oh, yeah. lose track. <laughs> verse two, and he said, I cried out to the Lord because of my affliction and he answered me. Out of the belly of Sheol, I cried and you heard my voice. Yeah, that's good. So let's talk through these phrases. Cried, affliction, he answered me. Out of the belly of Sheol, he heard my voice. I had a lot on this one. I was surprised at how much I got out of all of these verses. Okay, what? One verse a day, I don't know. know. But it's like, (laughs) um, yeah, just, well, first of all, what I thought was interesting, uh, cried, I looked in the Hebrew lexicon for that word, and it actually could also be used of animal cries. So I felt like, wow, that's interesting. This was like oh, agony and like, I don't, I don't know. It was just so raw. Just it's to see whale. the despair that, yeah, a whale. Like, oh, he was just. W-A-I-L. Sorry. Yeah, whale in a possible, what? not a whale. We don't know, but. Whale. <laughs> whale. W-A-I-L. No, I know. I was saying, was it whale in a whale? He was whaling in a whale? I don't know. All right. <laughs> oh, well. <laughs> oh, well. So yeah, just that, it just gave a little bit more uh, it just brought a little more intensity to just how despairing he really was. This wasn't like, oh man, God, this stinks. You know, I mean, he was really. Yeah, which at the reminds end of me of that verse in Romans where it talks about sometimes when we pray with groanings that can't yeah. be uttered, yeah. that he, the Lord intercedes on our behalf. Yes. Like sometimes we can't pray with words and we just like cry out with mm-hmm. groanings. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's good. So um, it made me think of Psalm 40. 
And I thought a lot of his phrases in here were um, like, they were almost identical to different Psalms. A lot of Psalms, yeah. Which made me think, okay, he knew God's word. God's Mm -hmm. word was hidden in his heart and Mm. it's coming out at this time. Well, we're going to really have a a reference to Psalm 139. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know? um, It's like his whole story is Psalm 139. mm -hmm. He's running away if I go to the, Mm -hmm. yeah. (laughs) Where can I go from your presence? Where can I hide? Yep. We're going to get there. Yeah, and so like Psalm 40 is that, you know, we're like, I cried out in the pit and he lifted me out of that miry pit Mm -hmm. and he set my feet upon a rock. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, at that pit of death point. Um, I love the, the, the phrase, he answered me. I was thinking about that and I was like, man, that's actually, to me, that's like one of the best statements in scripture that God answered. Because I feel like so many times that's like, that makes the greatest difference in my life is when God answers. Even sometimes if it's a, if it's a difficult answer or you know, that's hard that I have to process or work through or like, oh, I have to obey you in that way. But there's just something so assuring about the fact, no, God answered and spoke. And that there's like a peace even in that, even when it's a hard answer or a challenging thing I have, you know, that he's asking me to obey him in or whatever the case may be. Just knowing it was him, for me, that really brings a lot of peace and assurance. Like, okay, I can walk in this because I know that was the Lord. He answered. Yeah. Um, I so. went back to affliction because I just yeah. wanted mm-hmm. to get the kind of the descriptive right. yeah. idea. And I thought about how he's wet. He's <laughs> thoroughly wet and he's not going to dry out. Mm. Thoroughly wet. And well, I was I thinking like feeling. his clothes are wet and dragging him down. Yeah. So his clothes are heavy. Mm-hmm. He's probably all twisted up in his clothes. Mm. Um, he's cramped. Probably Again, it's sick. dark, right? Yuck. Yeah. And it's unknown. <laughs> and, um, you know, he has the only senses that he can use are feeling and hearing. Mm. And I was thinking, what did it sound like in there? You know, like the muffled yeah. and then sloshing. the sloshing. Yeah. And, you know, no doubt there are gastric juices mm-hmm. that are like acid and stinging. Burning his skin. Plus the, you know, the, the fish and the slimy and or just... salt water even. Yes. Getting in your eyes burns like crazy. And but, just have that constantly. And think about trying to... Because we're always trying to find footing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And this is going to be slimy. Like mm-hmm. everything's slimy or almost like, you know, when you step in something and uh, um, Brian and I were taking a walk one time in, in England and I stepped right into this mud and it just surrounded my foot. And I was like, I can't see my shoe. And I, you know, you bring it up and mm-hmm. it's just like, got all or this mud on it. Sometimes your shoe just gets stuck in the muck and then it just <laughs> yes, gets sucked right in. And so he's feeling like this muck. There's yeah. no grounding for his feet. There's full instability. And then going to, he answered me. I was thinking about Jonah's hope before had been that God did not see, did not hear, was unaware of him. And now all of his hope rests in the fact that God sees. That's a great yep. point. God yeah. hears. Yeah. And I think about how his hope just totally changed. Wow. You know, just... Yeah the full reversal of hope. That's such yeah. a good point. So much and assurance. I saw too in this point with this affliction that this is God's chastening for yes, him. Yes, it is. And yeah, that God's out. chastening is grace. It's another place where we it see is. God's grace. It is. Yeah, and I was thinking of all those verses about the chastening of the Lord. Like, don't despise the chastening of the Lord for whom the Lord loves, he corrects. And it's one more place where he's showing his grace and his love. Mm. Because he could have just given, he, you know, we were talking earlier about living in the cancel culture. Yeah. He could have said, you're not going to obey me? Mm-hmm. Done. Canceled. Yeah. I, there's lots of prophets. I can go to Elisha. Absolutely. I can go to, yeah. <laughs> you know, there are better prophets. There are more obedient prophets. But God mm-hmm. works with this prophet. We are so quick to cancel mm-hmm. and to cut people off because we don't like this or we don't agree with that. But God is not into the cancel culture. Mm-hmm. So patient. Uh, all yeah. so patient. and he will work and that even through chastening mm-hmm. or through miserable circumstances and it is such a sign of his love yeah. that he loves us so much it's like I was telling somebody I can't get away with anything mm-hmm. and I've never been able to get away with anything but never. I wouldn't want to I've always right? been caught always but when I was a kid I totally resented it like I am so caught I'm always caught like I was going under the pews um at the junior high fellowship because they were watching a uh, Moody movie. It was black and white and was on the sloth. And it was really slow. And this girl said to me, we could sneak out to 7-Eleven and get some snacks for everybody. 
And I was like, oh, a danger movement. This is going to be so good. <laughs> so we were army crawling under the pews. And I decided to come up for air and see where I was, how far to the back. And there's the counselor sitting right there. Like, I always get caught. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I always I mean, pray that for my kids, up? that they would get caught. Yeah. And God's <laughs> It's a good thing. Totally. But it was a good thing. Yeah. I mean, and he was so gracious. Well, but you he did suggest too. I go to my dad's services instead of the junior <laughs> high. But like with chastening, it's always better if you haven't gone too far. There's other consequences. Like sometimes you have the consequence on top of the chastening if the sin goes too far. But if the chastening comes before the consequences of sin come too bad, then that's a, gooder, that's a better place to be. Right, and we're talking about how he wouldn't pray. Mm-hmm. It took this mm-hmm. to get Jonah to pray. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It took this. I mean, the storm, he didn't pray. All the non-believers are praying. And receiving the Lord yeah. and saying, what shall we do? In other words, we're ready to obey. Mm-hmm. But this disobedient prophet, he's not ready mm-hmm. until circumstances get in. And that's why it says, in, as you're saying in Hebrews, do not harden yeah. your heart. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your heart. Mm-hmm. And, and that's the, we want to be um, pliable mm-hmm. and sensitive. Teachable. And obedient to the word of the Lord. Uh, to be corrected, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, so where do you think about the Sheol thing, out of the belly of Sheol? Yeah, that That's- was actually my main takeaway, like, that I put at the end, the whole, uh, being in the belly of Sheol. It just reminded me, because there is, there's the, the chastening thing, and this might apply more to, like, where he's talking about all your, all the waves and billows coming over me, and just the feeling of being overwhelmed and feeling like I've sunk so far, and I think mm-hmm. probably Julian was alluding to this during the prayer time as well, just how you, you know, you can get, feel so low, like there's no hope. And it reminded me, I probably shared this story before, but I don't care because somebody out there might need to hear it. Um, my probably, I mean, really probably my favorite missionaries uh, in history are Adoniram and Ann Judson, uh, who were missionaries, America's, considered America's first missionaries to Burma. Uh, sorry, America's first missionaries, and they went to Burma. But uh, anyways, I just thinking of the, the crisis in Adoniram's life where he had been in a Burmese death prison, got released, and then his wife and baby died. It's this whole long drama that they should make a movie of, honestly. Um, and he's just completely devastated um, with his, you know, his wife dying. All of their children had died in childbirth anyway, or not in childbirth, sorry, in infancy. And then this happens. And so he was just so depressed and so overwhelmed that he went out into the jungle uh, there in Burma and basically just built a little hut, um, lived like a recluse for over a year, dug a grave, and he would just sit and meditate on death for hours because he was just so, so low. I'm like, this is like, you want to talk about like clinical depression or any kind of depression. He was just so completely gone. He said, God is to me the great unknown. I believe him, but I find him not. Like, I know God's real, but... I, I can't find him anywhere in this situation. And that just was the first thing that came to mind when I was thinking about being in the belly of Sheol and feeling like you're just so low and you've dropped so far that is God even there? And yet God found him. And like Jonah, you know, Adoni- for Adoniram, God heard him in the belly of Sheol and answered him and brought him out. And that's always just been such an encouragement to me. And I try to encourage other people with that, that feel like there's no way God is down here. Like, could he possibly get this low? But underneath are the everlasting arms, no matter where you are. And so I just thought, man, that's such a, I don't know. I, that's just one of my favorite pictures of that's God so being able. Yeah. yeah. And like we see here, it's, he, he's perceiving that he's in this place, but he's not really. God still has his yeah. hand on yeah. him, yeah. which is so good. I like the NLT translation. It said the land of the dead. And so we don't know whether he lived or died the whole time, but it's because this seems like a constant conversation, yeah, it I looks like this like is been, a yeah. process where he's alive the whole time that he's in the belly of the whale, but that this is like a picture of the grave or, um, you know, like the death. Mm. This is where Psalm 139, verse mm-hmm. 8, really comes. Because he says, mm-hmm. if I go up to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, yeah. you are there. Yeah. Now, as we said, he would have been acquainted with the Psalms. The Psalms were sung. They were read. They were memorized. Because um, most people didn't have a written copy mm-hmm. of the Torah or the history. You would, you would go to you know, the library in Israel, or you would go, which were the synagogues. Right. And that's where the copies were kept. That's where you'd have to go to, um, to hear or to read or to know. Actually, there weren't synagogues at that point. There were oh, like yeah, Levitical, Levitical sinners. Right. Hmm. 
um, which would be like the, um, well, the Levitical centers where the Levites were, and they would have a copy of the law and the history of Israel, and you could go there and learn. Mm -hmm. And so, but probably when Israel abdicated from Judah, probably those centers were closed. Sorry, total side note. Would that be like the cities of refuge? Would that be where it would be? Those were like some of them. Okay. Anyway, yeah, definitely. Curious. Sorry. But anyway. there were more Levitical <laughs> cities than just the okay. cities of refuge. But all the cities of refuge were Levitical cities. Sorry, we nerd out. Anyway. And, um, <laughs> but the idea that, that he's now counting, again, mm-hmm. on the presence, the omnipresence of the Lord, mm-hmm. that God is everywhere and there is no hiding. So I believe that perhaps in the beginning he was testing that theory or he didn't believe the word of God. Because what you've got is you've got this prophet that doesn't want to come under the authority of the word of God. So he, can, he thinks, you know, did God really say? Uh-huh. Did God really say? And we're going back to the garden, aren't we? Did yeah, God really say? And so he's testing the word of God. And now he's confirming the word of God. He's affirming the word of God. Wow. It's right. And he's recognizing, and here's the other part of the chastening, not only that God sees, God hears, God's there, and he's finally praying, but he realizes, I've got to come under the authority of the word of God. And that's the safe place, Mm -hmm. is under the authority of the word of God. As one of Hudson Taylor's missionaries said, there's no safer place than the will of God. And so we want to come under the authority. And there are people here who want to be Christians. I'm not talking about you. I mean in the world. There are people who call themselves Christians but don't want to come under the authority of the Word of God. Mm -hmm. They want to pick and choose from God's Word what they will believe and what they won't believe. Mm -hmm. And they need to be careful because there's a great fish that's being prepared. Yeah. (laughs) Because you can't... my, My first year of college, that's really what I thought I could do. I thought I could pick and choose what parts of the Word of God I wanted to be under the authority of and what I didn't. And I felt like I was swallowed by a great fish. I mean, that whole year was like pulling seaweed and slime off of me. And, you know, I realized, and I still remember, 19 years old, going, all right, Lord, I've got to come fully under the authority of the Word of God. Whether I like what you're saying, whether it works with my lifestyle or what I want to do or my own ambitions, I've got to submit them all to the authority of the Word of God and say, you know what? All I know is that God wrote these words for me, and He knows truth, and He's infinite. Mm -hmm. And He knows the heart of every person. He knows what will happen. I've got to come under His authority. He knows what's best. He's the manufacturer. He knows what's best. Well, and that was my takeaway from the day is just that, you know, one of those elements is applying the grace of God to his own life. And so coming under the authority of the Lord and receiving his grace, it took until Jonah hit rock bottom before he realized his own need for that. Mm -hmm. And you, as like a a minister of God, he can't give that grace out to anyone else until he's received it for himself. And like, we can't um, tell someone about salvation and the gospel until we've received it for ourselves. And so this was like that turning point for him of receiving the grace of God. And he didn't want God to be gracious. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't think he thought he needed the grace of God. Yeah. And he didn't want God to be gracious again to the Ninevites. Mm-hmm. And I think there are those, and there have been times in my life where I thought I was so good, I didn't need the, not terrible, mm-hmm. I didn't need the grace of God. Yeah. And then you see yourself for what you really are, and you're like, Oh my goodness, I need I grace. In my book on grace, I talk about having a grace club yep. where I really did. Like these people, I'll give grace, but those people, I was doing the cancel culture, but it was all in my heart. Nobody knew. Yeah. And then I mean, one day, and I think we do that without even realizing it. And we need to like open our eyes and recognize where we're doing that. Mm-hmm. But sometimes it's by falling short of your own standards. Yeah. And that's what happened to me. The standards I was holding everybody else to, mm-hmm. I blew it. Mm-hmm. And I realized. And that was when I called on the grace and I said to the Lord, Lord. And I felt like the Lord said, I've always hated your grace club. I've just hated this. Mm -hmm. I was never a part of it. Mm. I never liked it. I never sanctioned it. I never approved of it. And I was realizing it was God that disbanded the grace club. Mm -hmm. 
and fired me. So good. Yeah. So the other day, I realized that we none of us could remember the name of her book. And so we wanted to tell you, it's called A Woman's Battle for Grace. And she has like a whole chapter where she goes through Jonah and like lays out how Jonah is a picture of grace. Mm-hmm. So A Woman's Battle for Grace. <laughs> Isn't that funny? I mean, yes. I was like, how did we? None of us could remember it. We just kept thinking of Pastor Chuck's book. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Why grace changes Okay, we really need to move yes. on. Did you guys oh, yeah. have anything? Whoa. Yeah, we need to move on, huh? Okay. I have one more thing. God's okay. grace, like you said, was willing to listen. Not only listen to this prophet, but save this prophet from his own catastrophe. Jonah created the circumstance, mm-hmm. and I think that's important to say. Right. Um, and had God not prepared this fish, Jonah would have died. Mm-hmm. And so this was like a life-saving um, moment. A life-saving, um, I want to say like apparatus, a life-saving oh, oh, oh. measure yeah. by God to save him. So I put, so even when we, by our own disobedience, find ourselves in the hell we deserve, God is aware, watching, waiting, and ready to listen and to deliver. Amen. So good. Okay. Mm. Verse three. Is it me? Yeah. So thrown off. I know. For you cast me into the deep, into the heart of the seas, and the floods surrounded me. All your billows and your waves passed over me. Okay, so what is Jonah's predicament here? Sorry, I just want to say one thing that's funny. I, this, this whole thing reminded me of like that joke or like that uh, it was one of those Christian comedy videos things kind of talking about worship songs and how, you know, all the worship songs that have water references, like you have to have a water reference in your worship uh-huh. songs. I was like, this is why, I guess it's biblical, but I just think it's funny, it's true. All of our worship songs are, everybody's drowning or sinking or, you know, all these waves are hitting me, I'm or gonna sailing. die. Or sailing. Yeah, it's, all, it's gotta be all something Ocean. like that, right? You call me out on the water. It's like, everything's about water. So you have to have a water reference in every worship song, remember that. Anyways, okay. or breathing. <laughs> Anyways. Yeah. So we won't get into all that. I guess that. it's water in the lungs. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> But apparently it's biblical to have water in every song. Okay, well. Moving on. Sorry to spiritual no, things. No, but the thing is, you see that he, like I think there is a fear of the sea because of the danger of what it is. Like it's, it's massive. It's endless. Well, the Good danger, job, the, the sea itself in uh-huh. biblical references, even though, sorry, the sea always represents chaos mm-hmm. and it always represents, it's the home of the Leviathan. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it represents darkness it, re- it represents chaos. You remember in the beginning and then, you know, yeah. the world was out without form and void and it was all water. And God set the boundaries on it. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. God then created the land. He brought it up out mm-hmm. of the sea. And then the Antichrist, yeah. will he rises out of the sea of chaos. Mm-hmm. And so there, it's always a reference. So he's thrown into what he believes to be chaos mm-hmm. and hell. But even in this, God you know, has his uh, provision. But I I put just, Jonah is over his head. And uh, I just put how he's helpless to save himself. Here is a spot that he can do nothing Mm -hmm. to save himself. Absolutely nothing. And and God, I mean, this is probably the most obvious takeaway. God is the one that he recognizes who cast him into the deep. Yes. Like the, the sailors didn't really do it. God was over this all and Jonah's recognizing it. And I just was thinking about that. How, how hard it is I, for me, maybe for, I don't know, I'm assuming I'm not the only one, but how hard it is to focus on uh, the divine hand of God behind everything and not on human agents. We can get so caught up in the human agency mm-hmm. in, all, in everything, in our circumstances and uh, all of that, and just how, for me, I was thinking it just takes the eye of faith to really realize, like, God over everything going on, you know, to see his hand. I mean, I'm, I'm reading Daniel right now, and just in chapter two, it says, God changes the times and seasons. God, you know, um, raises, up, uh, raises up and God removes, you know, leaders, all of those kinds of things. It's like, he in, does it. And in God, though, he allows these things right. to take place. He's not behind evil. Mm-hmm. And Absolutely. God never tempts, yeah. nor is he ever Anything tempted in evil. Yeah, we don't want to go fully reformed here. Yeah. So, but, but what you have is that God is, um, he allows, but there's this freedom and he holds right. us responsible mm-hmm. for our actions. And sometimes he lets our decisions take their natural consequences yeah. and does not intervene until we call upon him. Mm-hmm. 
And that's what we see. These, this is the natural consequence of what Jonah's doing. Exactly. But when he calls upon the Lord, everything changes. Yeah. Everything begins well, to change. And that's what I thought at this point. He's finally accepting God's correction. Like yes. this is God's correction. He's seeing it as God's correction. Yeah. Exactly. I put too, though, that he's lost at sea. I, again, I like to, I really like to use my imagination just mm-hmm. to get the sense of what Jonah was feeling. Mm-hmm. You know, so I went in my closet and I flooded. No, but <laughs> I went in my bathtub. I held myself. No, but the idea is, I thought about there are times where I remember being in London and getting totally lost all by myself, no, no cell phones, just before, cell, well, we actually have one cell phone, it's about this big, we all had to share it, it wasn't my day. And I remember just thinking, nobody knows where I am. Mm. Nobody knows where I am. And what am I going to do? Nobody, and just calling on the Lord, Lord, you're the only person who knows where I am. You're it. Nobody else knows, and nobody else is even looking for me or knows I'm lost. Nobody but you. And, you know, I've had more than one of those circumstances, and God has always brought me to the desired end. And I'm thinking about how, like, God is always aware of where we are. And I I just love that fact that I'm never lost to God. Yeah, which you brought out so much with the Sheol thing, like that even when we feel like we're in the point of death and no one sees us and we're at the end of ourselves, that God is there and he sees us and he hears us. Yeah. I was thinking too, like what Cheryl said about how, um, you know, we get to the point where when we call out to God, he will be there. And so I think that's actually even just kind of encouraging for anyone who is seeking the Lord and doesn't have an answer yet or doesn't know, am I going to know what to do in this situation? Mm-hmm. You will, if you are seeking him, then he will. There's just timing sometimes right. with God bringing us to whatever we need okay. to learn. And yeah. I just want to set the scene for, for just a minute. He's thrown into the ocean, mm-hmm. right? And he sees the ship leaving. He has nothing to float on. He doesn't have like, it's not like the... A shipwreck, so he can float on this yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah. There's nothing surrounding him but sea and ocean. You hear about those people that are like three days in the yeah. ocean, and the ship comes along. There's no ships yeah. coming in the Mediterranean. It's a rarity to have a ship. So he's out there in this what looks like an infinity of sea. Every place he looks, not any land at all. He's sure to die because he can't keep treading water or float forever. Mm-hmm. And the night comes. There's also the danger of hypothermia. The night comes, and all of a sudden, these big jaws come over, and boom. Uh I mean, do you ever have that, like, the thing that you're praying will not happen? Uh Like, there's this thing, like, like, oh, God, don't let that happen. Don't let that happen. And it happens. You're like, I thought I asked you. No. And, you know, that's exactly for Jonah. Like, the worst case scenario. Well, and then can't you just picture it? The fish isn't just going to stay up high at the top of the water. Like it's saying the heart of the seas floods surrounded me. The waves buried me. So this fish is probably diving down to the bottom. So then you've got the air pressure issues with your ears popping. And I mean, can you just picture all the pain and the seasickness Mm -hmm. and the misery, yes, of what that would be to go down into the heart of the seas? A lot different experience than Noah, where God told him to build an ark. And so these, you know, God gave him instructions, was putting him out onto the water, but he had preserved him in an ark. They said those measurements of it's a barge, and a barge is the safest place and the most stability in a Uh storm. Mm. Right. And so you've got like no seasickness when you're in a stable situation, but inside this fish, it was probably very hot instead of diving down. That's right. Yeah. Okay, any other takeaways on this day? I already said it. Yeah, I didn't have a whole lot. Yeah. Okay, so I have one little thing, too, of just the the way, again, we're seeing him quoting scriptures, like um, Psalm 42, 7 was almost the same exact words about the billows and waves passing over me. And it just reminded me, too, that we have to hide God's word in our heart right now. If we're not in a storm, if we're just walking day by day, this obedience of planting the seeds of God's word in our heart, then it's there when we need it in the storm. But you also have Peter where he says, no trial has overtaken you that is not common to all. And he said, one of the ways in spiritual warfare, Mm -hmm. um, which he says in 1 Peter 5, is to remember that your brethren 
have also suffered. Yeah. And so as he's recalling, he's like, oh, the psalmist knew what this felt like. Mm-hmm. The psalmist was in a similar thing, and God met him. Because all the psalms are uplifting. They might start in the, the yeah. sea, but all except for two mm-hmm. don't have happy endings. Hmm. Okay, so good. Okay, verse four. Cheryl, do you mind I will. But I said, I've been banished from your sight, yet mm-hmm. I will look once more toward your holy temple. Mm. Okay. I was thinking, this is something you guys already talked about on this one, but um, a little bit, like the word says, I've been cast out of your sight. And it just reminded me, I think you were talking about this a little bit earlier, Cheryl, just how Jonah wanted to be out of God's sight. He thought he did at mm-hmm. least, right? When he fled from the presence of the Lord, he's like, I don't want the presence. So he thought that's what he wanted. And now it's almost like the Lord's like, here's what you thought you wanted. Now you feel like, you were, I mean, he wasn't out of God's sight, obviously, but this is what it feels like to be completely out of my presence. Do you really want this? Because the absence of God's presence is hell, right? I mean, really, that, that is what it is. And so he's getting a taste of how horrific that actually is. And I think sometimes we don't realize what we're really saying, you know, and what the really, the implications are. That so was it's exactly just like, whoa. what I wrote on number one, banished yeah. from God's sight. Jonah was yeah. experiencing what it was to truly be without God. Yeah. Jonah thought and wanted to escape God how he was experiencing. Now he's experiencing life without God. Yeah. Exactly, same cool. exact And thought. I also saw too that it's a parallel of Jesus on the cross. So here's another place where it's like Jesus because Jesus is up there and he's like, my God, my God, why mm-hmm. have you forsaken me? And so Jonah mm-hmm. came to that exact same place. Separation or sense mm-hmm. of separation. And you know, the feeling of abandonment was real, yeah. mm-hmm. but it was not permanent. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. with Jesus on the cross... And the same thing, the feeling of abandonment is real, mm-hmm. you know, but it's not permanent. Yeah, well, and yes. I felt too, like with Jonah, it wasn't reality. God had hedged him in by yeah. giving him the whale and preparing the, I mean, the fish, preparing the fish for him. And so his feeling of abandonment was a perceived reality that wasn't reality. Yeah. God still had hedged him in and had his hand on him and he hadn't let him go. And we, and we see <laughs> faith with Jonah's hope. We see faith. Yeah. Because he's like, true. this is crazy, but I know I'm going to be looking at your temple. I know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and so I, Jonas hope. Yeah. Yeah, no. And I mean, just that he, he made a choice there. Yet I will look to your holy temple, temple. And I was thinking exactly. of that because we have so many parallels here with the Psalms and how the psalmists do that too. Freak out, get it all out there, be honest and raw with the Lord, and then say, but, you know, again, like, I will, I will look to you. I know your character. I know your word, your promises. And just making mm-hmm. that choice, you know, and, and I was just thinking of that. There are, you know, everybody has those moment of crisis kind of situations and we have a choice, really. Mm-hmm. Like, am I going to believe or am I going not to believe? This was such a random thought I had, though. For whatever reason, um, I, I thought of Charles Darwin <laughs> because uh, it's really interesting. The moment where he really decided not, you know, to reject God was not because of the science. It was when his daughter died. And I thought that was really interesting in a moment of crisis he chose, no, you obviously don't care. You've abandoned me and I'm walking away. And I, you know, whether he was an agnostic or whatever, you know, there's so many stories about him, but I just thought that's so interesting. Like it's mm-hmm. the, those are the moments of crisis where somebody's going to choose, like, am I going to look to the Lord in his temple or am I going to say, nope, you're, you're abandoning me. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm out, you know? So mm-hmm. anyways. That's really good. Yeah. And that was one of my takeaways. It's just that we need to know the character of God because we are going to go through storms. We are going to have hard situations that we have to face. And when we know God's character, Mm -hmm. that establishes us where we can look to him. There's also too that, you know, chapter two is actually, it's not just a prayer, it's a lament. And I think that in the church, we haven't allowed for lament because of our water songs. No, just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) But a lament... See, grumbling and complaining is what we do because we feel like we can't address God with what's really going on or with how we really feel. And so it's kind of like, I remember my mom would be, no offense, don't be stumbled, but she'd be like, you know, what are you doing? And the telephone would ring and she'd be like, hello. Oh, you little sweetheart. Yes. And I'd be like, you know, that's yeah. how she really feels. You know, she's, she's coming at me with the belt and now she has to be all nice. So... And I, I was thinking about, like, 
we, we don't realize that we can lament to God, mm-hmm. that God okay. is the safe place with our mm-hmm. feelings, mm-hmm. that He's the safe place with our desires, that sometimes we have to, we have to be honest with God. Yeah. I, you know, yeah. I don't like that person. I hate that person. I've got fears. And that honesty where we lament to God, we lament with God, and he understands. And I think that there'd be so much more healing mm-hmm. if we were just lamenting to God right. and with God. Because we see that so many of the Psalms are laments. But as I said, they end in the high note. Yeah. We need to process our disillusionment. But part of it is like, you're not allowed to say, God, why did you take my daughter? Or God, why did you? But we are. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and God wants to be asked. And you even have the... Um, the story in First Kings about Jeroboam's son dying. And when his wife goes to see the prophet, the prophet says it's because something good was in him. And God is sparing him from all the evil and keeping him untainted, preserving him by taking him to heaven because heaven is real and heaven is life, yeah. you know, and has activity. No, I was just thinking as you were saying that, I was like, I feel like in that place of when you're processing it, like that, I think that allows the Lord to meet you like, it, like he did with the psalmist and be like, okay, good, you're being on. Just tell me how you feel. Okay, now we can talk. Instead of like pretending, you never actually get to the heart of the matter. Can you imagine if Jonah was pretending that the well was all great? Yeah, it's like, fine, well, God. Fine. You work all things for good. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's not the time. It's not the time for that. Rejoice in the Lord always. Yeah. <laughs> I, mean, I don't think he was singing no the happy songs, yeah. the happy water yeah, songs. No but don't you yeah. wonder too, like what would have happened if he had started at the temple when he first ran from God instead mm. of running, if he had run to God instead? Mm. And so this is kind of that turning point for him because he... He ran from the temple, he ran from God, and now he's turning back and he wants mm-hmm. to turn back to he the wants, temple. Yeah. So my takeaway is that mm-hmm. God often allows us to feel life without him. The drudgery, yeah. the pure survival, because his whole life was all about survival. Mm-hmm. He couldn't do anything productive. The darkness, in order to show us all we've had in mm-hmm. Christ and all we have in him, like a child that constantly wonders at the market. So. One quick story. Yeah. <laughs> when Char, who's now a pastor at the church, when he was a little boy, he loved to hear his name over the loudspeaker. So I would hear, will the mother of Charlo Broderson please come to the front of the store? And somehow he would wriggle away, like I would hold his hand mm-hmm. and think I had a hold on him, or I'd put him in the cart, he would climb out, I would go to get something, and he'd be gone, escape artist. And then I'd hear it, well, the mother of... And I'm like, these people at Lucky's Market think I'm the most irresponsible mark, uh, mother in the world. And Kristen would be like, he did it again, he did it again. And so we would go and we would get him and he'd be like, hi, mom. <laughs> did you hear my name over the loudspeaker? I'm famous. And you'd just be like, no, because you really thought he was famous. Like uh-huh. that was like what movie stars did. So I was... T- I was praying at the women's prayer meeting, will you pray that Char quits ditching me? I can't take him out publicly. Brian's like, you're going to have to wait till I go home. I'll watch him. You go to the market. I mean, I couldn't shop. I was just like, what am I going to do? He's three and he's an escape artist. And this wise woman said to me, do the rest of your shopping. He's in good hands. Let them keep announcing your name and just let it go. So it was so hard to wait Mm, and to hear, well, the mother of Charlo Broderson, please come. And they must have announced it five times. And I just waited. And I waited. I did the rest of my shopping. And it was probably 20 minutes. And then I went and got him, and he was a mess. He was sobbing. He was doing the... You (laughs) forgot him, and you left him. Yeah, thinking I'd gone home and everything. He never did it again. He never, ever ditched me again. And the Lord spoke to me and said, Joe, this is you. Mm -hmm. Sometimes you have to feel the absence to to stop running away. Jonah was trying to run away. And he had to feel the absence so that he wouldn't do it again. Mm -hmm. And in our lives, sometimes we have to feel this frustration and this drudgery 
so we won't run away. So good. Yeah, amen. Excellent. Okay, let's move on to day five. Mm -hmm. Verse five. That's you, yes. Yes. The water surrounded me, even to my soul. The deep closed around me. Weeds were wrapped around my head. Okay, so we've got the water surrounded, even to my soul, deep closed around me, weeds wrapped around my head. Any yeah. thoughts on those? Just again, the, the entrapment, yeah. the discomfort, mm -hmm. the no place to go. And I just put the abject, when we get to what does this convey to you about Jonah's experience, mm -hmm. it was not pleasant. Right. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> abject misery, trying to survive, cramped, wet, trapped, irritated went to his soul so this soul. wasn't just yeah. physical and that's that's harder but they call it, it bone deep what bone deep yes yeah exactly uh -huh. that's just so so traumatic yeah like uh, you think of that chill too of being bone deep when you're that cold inside the water yes i actually really like the part about the weeds being wrapped around the head i don't know if anyone's ever seen this is such a is it the um old 1945 version of and then there were none Old, old Agatha Christie, you know, anyways, look, I know, I know. And it's a story. It's like a murder mystery. Yes, Kayla C. Okay, right? Okay, yeah. And this is this whole murder mystery. They're in a house and everybody keeps dying one by one. And there's a point where they're all walking around trying to figure out who did it. And they hear it's one of the, the women scream. Yes. Yeah, and they hear one of the women scream and they go to see what's bothering her and they're in the dark. They get a candle. And she's like, and she's just like, oh, a, a cold hand just came over me and tried to strangle me. And they go, look, and there's seaweed hanging in her doorway. Yeah. And she thought I was a cold hand. Anyways, it made me think of Jonah. And this is just another aspect of all of it. Just anytime a weed came, it'd be like, ah! You know, anyway. Because it's so slimy and it's wrapping around yes. you. I mean, it could be an octopus. It, yeah. Exactly. It's it you choke don't me. know what it is. Yeah. Well, I mean, I you thought, wow, don't visual, know yeah. what it is. He sure. probably no still had it on him when he got spewed out. Oh, yeah. But And like, oh, that was seaweed. Mm. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> when my kids were little, we lived in San Diego. And one time I took them snorkeling in um, one of the little bays there. And it happened to be a kelp garden. Mm, and yeah. Josh was kind of like not the best swimmer. He was still pretty little. And so we're trying to snorkel. He's holding on to me. One of my other sons was holding on to me and they're pulling me under and because the kelp and the stuff is wrapping all around their legs. And so I asked Josh this week if he remembers that. He says he was terrified. Like he still remembers that wow. terrifying feeling, a feeling like you're being pulled down. You can't see anything under the water and you were trying to snorkel. But there's that reality of it, there's actually stuff wrapping around him and there's no way he could have slept. So for three days, I'm picturing Jonah completely sleepless because of yeah. all of this. Yeah, it's dark. Absolutely. So yeah. you're never, or yeah, like disoriented as we mm -hmm. keep talking Pretty about. Pretty harrowing. So any takeaways on this day? I just put that the Bible is full of reversals. And going back mm -hmm. to that, you know, when you think or expect a certain outcome, God enters and changes the outcome. Mm -hmm. And I was thinking about how Esther, you know, it was like certain annihilation for the Jews, but God entered the pictures and the Jews are exalted yeah. and the enemies are annihilated and of course uh, Joseph where his brothers thought they were getting rid of Joseph and Joseph becomes the savior of his brothers mm -hmm. and of course the cross mm -hmm. which is the worst that man could do to anybody yeah. is the means of salvation what was about hatred and humiliation is about exaltation and love and just the great reversal of God. And as I said before, Jonah hoped he could escape God. Now all his hope rests on the fact that he can't escape God. That's true. That's yeah. so good. Yeah. Um, kind of piggybacking on that and something Angie alluded to earlier, my biggest takeaway was that yes, this was obviously uncomfortable, frightening, miserable, but no matter how bad it was, he really was safe because he mm -hmm. was in the hand of God. And, you know, God was going to bring him to a good end. It reminded me of another missionary story. I had two, two this week. Wow. Um, Archibald Glover, Archibald and Flora Glover, they were, uh, yeah, you know, <laughs> uh, their story is called A Thousand Miles That's of Miracle uh, in China. It was during the Boxer Rebellion. We've, I think Cheryl and I have talked about this before when they were persecuting, uh, murdering, when this uh, Chinese rebellion rose up and they were murdering all the Chinese Christians, they're murdering all the missionaries. And Westerners. So the, Westerners. Yeah, Westerners in general. And so the Glovers are trying to escape to the coast to get back home to England. And just their whole story 
I mean, and they were, you know, they were miserable. It wasn't like they had, everything went fine and smooth. They had so many trials, so many hard moments, so many near uh, misses and escapes from death where the Lord delivered them. And at one point, uh, Archibald wrote in, the, in their book, and he said, although we might be at the mercy of unprincipled men, we were equally certain that we were in our Father's hand. And so there was a sense, we are in our father's hand, therefore we're safe. Whatever happens to us, no matter how horrible this is, and they had two little kids, uh, she was, Flora was pregnant. It's miraculous that she didn't miscarry because it was just so gnarly. But they always had the sense, we're in our father's hand. And Jonah, in this place, was still, like you said, in the presence of God. And the Glovers made it to the coast. They did. They actually survived. Not, yeah. <laughs> and like that quote that you said too, that the safest place for us to be is in the will of God. Yeah. And so yeah, exactly. we're in his will, we're in his hands. Yeah. yeah. Okay, anything else before we move on to well, day six? the fish, as I think we mentioned before, the fish is actually Jonah's salvation. Yeah. Otherwise, yeah. he would have drowned in the sea. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And what looked like the worst thing was actually the best yes. thing that could happen. Mm-hmm. So again, the Bible is full Reversal. of all these reversals, you know, and ironies. Mm -hmm. The Bible's like the best book. (laughs) I know. We highly recommend it. Yes. I mean, and that's why it's so important that we're in God's word because we are going to be equipped for the storms we face by knowing God's word and knowing his character. And I think when we get to the end of this, we'll all be able to, in fact, we should probably add an addendum, like what was your Jonah experience? Because everyone has a Jonah story. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Our personal testimonies of how we maybe rejected God's grace or we ran from God's call or we didn't trust his will. Mm-hmm. We thought we had a better way. Mm-hmm. Didn't want to be under the authority mm-hmm. of God's word. Mm-hmm. Yep. Absolutely. I, I've never done that. So I think you guys can share on that. I'm just uh, kidding. Convenient. <laughs> just kidding. Just kidding. All right. Yeah. Yeah. She's about to have a great fish experience. I know, exactly. I know. Either I you've had one know, or you'll have one. Down. You know, uh-huh. either you're on the woe side or the blessed side, you know, uh-huh. of the Beatitudes. Okay, day six. Jasmine, can you read verse six? I obviously need to, huh? I'm now. <laughs> I went down to the moorings of the mountains, the earth with its bars closed behind me forever. Yet you have brought up my life from the pit, O Lord, my God. Wow. Again, the divine yes. reversal. Okay, mm-hmm. so describe what Jenna was feeling inside the great fish I put. He had a sinking feeling. <laughs> yeah, I bet that he felt like he was in prison. You know, he's making these references like the bars and um, they're closed forever. So it's like he is locked in. He has no waves of escape. And, you know, we've got this benefit of hindsight. We know Jesus even prophesied like it was going to be three days, three nights, and that's the picture. He had no idea it was exactly, only going to be yeah. three days and three nights. And like we talked about, he couldn't even tell day versus night. Yeah. So well, yeah. when I um, when I was sick this summer, when I had that um, emergency surgery, mm-hmm. and my blood pressure was dropping, and my um, and my um, something else was dropping, I can't remember. But anyway, they they were like, "We're losing her, we're losing her," mm-hmm. and I remember thinking, "I might die." Mm-hmm. This might be it for me. And I really thought, I told Brian, I'm like, this might be goodbye. And he's like, don't say that, mama. They're they're taking me down. And then I hear them in the ambulance saying, we're losing her. Mm -hmm. And the guy's like, ma'am, open your eyes, open your eyes. And I'm like, but it's so peaceful with them closed. And, um, but that feeling of this might be it. And I thought, what a way to end his life. What a way. I mean, I, you know, Linda Rourke and I have this ongoing conversation of how we want to die and how we don't want to die. It's very morbid. It so sounds like like we don't want to burn. <laughs> we don't want to be in a fire. And we don't want to just like, and she's like, the other day she shocks me. She says, I don't mind an airplane crash. I'm like, what? I'm not flying with you again. I, I don't want an airplane crash. I'm, like I have this idea of like just going out with like heart failure, you know, like, like my heart slowly, like dwindling. And I'm like, Goodbye, all of you. Yeah. Like D.L. Moody has like the best death scene. D.L. Moody's like there and he's dying. Oh yeah, that's so good. And he goes, oh, I see Jesus. I see Jesus. And he didn't know his granddaughter had died. And he's like, and he's with, he's with Emma. You didn't tell me Emma had died. And they're all like, oh my goodness, this is really. And then yeah. he says, oh my goodness, this is all glorious. It's all glorious. And I was like. Yes, and then Mrs. Uh, Charles Spurgeon's wife, Susanna, when she was dying, she said, oh, I see Jesus. He's coming for me. It's all going to be all right. I'm like, 
that's it, Linda, did you read this one? That's yeah, how I, I want to go one. out. Yeah. <laughs> or, you know, just one of those things, like she died in her sleep. Like, I like those kind of scenarios, yeah. but I'm thinking, this is the worst way to die. Mm-hmm. This is it. And he was plunging down, and mm-hmm. I was thinking, he's plunging both, I'm sorry, Angie, but both physically, emotionally, and spiritually. Mm-hmm. It's, it's like all of that. Okay, go ahead, sorry. I was just going to say, but then we see there's a turning point in him. Right. That mm-hmm. he does have security. And so where is he placing his security? Yeah, and the Lord, you brought up my mm-hmm. life. And this is almost as if he's, he's praying as if God's already answered him. Mm-hmm. So there's just this sense, is this, I'm assuming, faith. In faith, I'm, I'm still here, but I know you've delivered me. Yeah. I'm wondering if at that coming. point, the fish began to go towards the surface. Mm-hmm. I am wondering, because he would feel that momentum. Mm-hmm. And when he says, you raised, I was wondering, before he's feeling it plunging down, and now the fish is heading towards the surface, and maybe just something spiritually, there's a certain sense of, like, we're we're going upward. Well, interestingly, my takeaway was I wrote down, down, down. Like, everything in this journey to this point was going down. Like, he went down to Joppa. Then he went down into the fish's hold, or the um, ship's hold. That was his first place. And then he went down into the depths of the sea, down, down, down. And now we're seeing a turning point where he's lifting his eyes. Uh Like, the NLT says, you snatched me from the jaws of death. And, like, in that, that one of the verses the day before... Or no, this one. First one, Um, he's looking up. And then how he went down to the moorings of the mountains. So it's like you picture the mountains going down into the sea. So it's like you see the top of the mountain. And, you know, like that we say the tip of the iceberg is just the tip. And then what's really big is down below. And so it's like he's making this reference to the mountains below the seas. Yeah. Well, they were saying that they thought it was a reference to Mount Carmel. Okay. And Mount Carmel's base is in the middle of, it is in, sorry, not in the middle, but it, and at the down. Mediterranean Sea. Wow. So he's at the base Ooh. of Mount Carmel, which is interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought, just as you were saying, the NLT where it says, you've snatched me from the jaws of death. But mm-hmm. then I was thinking of, you know, because this is a picture of, of Jesus mm-hmm. and how he didn't get snatched from death. He actually died. And so, you know, all that Jesus went through was that much greater than what Jonah thought he was experiencing here. And I'm in the foundations of the earth and what am I, you know, but just, uh, I don't know, it gave me a little bit of <laughs> uh, more of an appreciation for what Jesus went through because Jonah went this far, but Jesus would go that much farther right. to is, redeem man. And I think Amen. too, when Jesus is talking, he's dealing with the suffering of Jonah, the crampedness of Jonah, and Jesus was strung up on the cross, unable to move, mm-hmm. you know, and the mockings and the, the his, his, his back, torn up and like we talked about the fish eating at Jonah but now you've got a back that is just torn up and raw flesh and bone showing probably and now it's on this rough wood of this cross he's humiliated you know where Jonah was clothed and the 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 cloth was probably holding him down Jesus is naked and humiliated and um, you just think of all the misery that Jesus went through on that cross in order to save us and just to to take the lowest place that he might take us to the highest place. And, you know, Jesus took the lowest place and now God has exalted him to the highest place. So again, down, 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 up, up, up. I love that picture. So good. Any other thoughts before we close? Ending on Jesus, that's okay. probably a good thing. <laughs> so good. Okay, um, I wanted to recommend a book too that Cheryl mentioned last week. It's by Rosalind Goforth, and it's called How I Know God Answers Prayer. It's um, available printed, but it also like they have it on Kindle. I ended up downloading it for free on Kindle. Yeah. Okay. But I think in this picture, these this passage of scripture that we're looking at, Jonah is um, showing us prayer. And like he's showing us answered prayer and recounting answered prayer builds our faith. So when we are specific in our prayers, writing them down, recording them and sharing them with others, then it's, it's like that verse in Revelation, you know, that they overcame by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. And when we recount these things, we can overcome the evil one by remembering God's faithfulness and answering prayer. Amen. So Cheryl, would you close this in prayer? Oh, I would love to. Father, and we are so thankful that we can call you Father. You are the Father who sees in secret. 
You are the father that never loses sight of his children. You are the father who never forgets us. You are the father who chastens us and chases us to the ends of the earth. You are the father that allows us to go low that you might lift us high. You are the father who loves us thoroughly. You are the father who never gives up on us. You are the good father who always hears whose ear is always attentive to his children. You are the best of all fathers. You are the most personal, most loving, most affirming of all fathers. And we thank you that you are our father, that you're not just our Lord. We see Jonah with this master-slave relationship. But Lord, you sent your only begotten son for the purpose that we might call you father that we might serve you as a child to the best, most loving father. Lord, as a child desires to bless their father, to, to make them so happy. Lord, we thank you that you are that type of father. We pray that you would work in us the heart of children that want to please, want to obey, want to be under the loving authority and protection of their father. Lord, we thank you for all that you've done to make us your children. And may we just bask in the glory that we are called the children of God. We thank you for this day. We thank you for the revelation. Go before us. Lord, keep us from disobedience, from the deep, from the, our own misery. And work in us, Lord, a heart of a child. In Jesus' name, amen.